Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm not accepting this mission. Do you know Solomon Lane? He asked Ethan, like, was there ever a mission that you didn't accept? And I'm just wondering in the situation, like, can Ethan, like, turn off whatever goofy, weird, outdated technology they delivered to him to give him his mission before it, like, goes up in smoke? Like, once it explodes, like, after the five-second countdown or whatever, is that, is that, like, a done deal? Like, like how, how, how do you say, I don't accept the mission? Because it seems like they're pretty much assuming that you're gonna accept the mission. I've gone on about this for far too long. Let's continue with the show. Thank you for listening. I mean, I'm Alex. <laughs> I think you just did an entire, entire mini-podcast there. Uh, this week we are talking about Mission Impossible Fallout. I'll be here all week. Uh, <laughs> grades. <laughs> Gr- uh, reviews, whatever. Well, we should go ahead and say, because the ending of the last episode we were like, oh yeah, we're going to do the Man Without or the Man with No Name trilogy. Yeah, um, Mission Impossible we Fallout. Co- we completely forgot. <laughs> oh hey, we have Mission Impossible Fallout. Okay, so Mission Impossible Fallout, directed by Christopher McQuarrie from 2018. It has a 97% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and an 89% audience score. Mm-hmm. Tyler, is this your favorite Mission Impossible movie? Mm. After watching it multiple times, I'm not sure if it's mine. Same. I think it's probably the most well-made of I all I was going to say, like, I... We're going to have to get into an interesting conversation about objectivity. Uh, And part of the issue is just that I've seen this way too many times. I think Um, I have too. Not as many (laughs) as you, but I've I've watched it a couple of times. I managed to see it as many times as I have. I don't know how many times I've seen it. I just know that, like, the entire movie just plays in my head the moment I see any part of it. Right. And, yeah, it's, it's a lot... And that's going against the movie a little bit, just because it's hard to see any movie that many times and still be really excited about it. Right. Uh, but it's a good movie. Not, not gonna not gonna discount anything of that. It's definitely one of the better made, if not the best made, uh, films. Uh, at least in terms of production value, I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to get into that. But right, all things considered, very good. Very very good. Uh. Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything <laughs> you just said. So now that we've had this interesting discussion, Accurate. Tyler, what is your best thing and your worst thing about Mission Impossible? Wait, did you give part the, six? The scores? Fallout Boy. Did I did I miss you giving the scores? Did you did you do? Yes, you did. Okay. And you completely ruined my Fallout Boy joke. <laughs> How dare you? I, I told him to do Fallout seventy six because people like topical references. And they they really especially when they listen to a podcast six months after it's released. <laughs> it really it really uh, sells the the no what you really should have done is Fallout Four just to just to throw everyone off because it's like oh remember that game you probably didn't like if you were an angry person on the internet anyway uh, my best thing about Mission Impossible Fallout is just went off the rails very quickly <laughs> um I would say. The fact that this one, more than I think any of them except maybe three, uh, feels the most... The, the momentum of the movie is is the best handled. 
I think I can put it that way. So it it feels like we are building in the same way that this this one is kind of the first one to really really build on the both the lore and the dynamics of the previous movie. Like this is yeah. kind of the first one well, of the this series. Is, this is really like the first direct sequel, exactly of any of them. Um, I mean, you could argue Rogue Nation to you know Ghost right. Protocol, but it, it I don't know. It's not yeah. It's not quite the same. This one is directly a sequel. Yes. It, like, they use the same villain and everything. Yeah. Um, same characters. Same, we get the same spy cast and, and everything. Uh, Jeremy Renner's even in it. Oh, wait. Oh, oh wait. At oh. least have a line mentioning why he's not there. <laughs> one line. That's all I need. Yeah. Um, but in the same way that it does that it also feels like we the narrative is structured such that we are driving towards the end of the movie and that's something that i think has been missing a lot of these where uh they aren't really elevated from uh general just loud noises action scenes they're pretty cool um right because there's it's been sort of an up and down of uh here's a cool set piece here's another cool set piece this one the the final set piece is bombastic and amazing um and has like a lot of different layers to it, uh, bombastic and amazing in one sense at least. And and it has several layers to it. It has suspense. Um, it it feels like it's the culmination of the themes of the movie, and it feels like they're they're they've actually like planned this out from in terms of the arc of of you know Ethan Hunt and everyone. Uh, feels like we there you know the movie's telling us something, and and it it pulls through all of that. And I I think that's something that has been missing from a lot of these. And I because so many of these are. Especially, I would say the last three. Um, I I feel like they they begin to take on a bit of uh, indistinguishableality. <laughs> uh, they, they, That's a word. Yeah, no, they 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 become a little indistinguishable just because you know they're shot fairly similarly and they have a lot of the same action set pieces and that sort of thing. I th- I think there's an element of that, even maybe bleeding into three a little bit as well. Um, they they start to run together. And I think that that helps this one stand out a little and stop being necessarily just a string of cool set pieces. Yeah. So that's that. Okay. Uh, my worst thing about Mission Impossible Fallout is probably the fact that while the, I just praise the overall framework and, and structure of the movie and the fact that it you know it does build to an exciting conclusion... Uh, yeah. It does sort of, I think, dip into the the spy range of um, we're kind of having things happen without necessarily explaining to you why they're happening or you know what characters' motivations are in that moment. I think especially a lot of the stuff with oh crap, I can't remember her name. Um, the Max's daughter. I can't remember her name. Is it, is it the white <laughs> the white widow? Is that yes, yes? Um, and that can be confused with the black widow. Yeah. Uh, she, yeah, she, I think, I mean, I, I really like her. I like her actress. Um, Wouldn't have been great if it was just Scarlett Johansson in this movie. She didn't even, <laughs> like, it's red hair. Oh, like, she's yeah, literally yeah. wearing the Black Widow right, costume. Right. I'm the White like, Widow. I'm the White Widow. <laughs> uh, she's got, like, a white streak in her hair. It's like, look, no, I'm the, I'm the White Widow. That's, I don't know what you're, uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're on about, yeah. Tom Cruise. I like her a lot in this. I like the actress. Um, I think she has really good chemistry with Tom Cruise. It's in yeah. terms of kind of the way they play off each other. Uh, it makes for some fun dialogue. But uh, I feel like some of... it's It becomes kind of murky what she... Like, how much she knows and then what she thinks of, of them. And 
Well, especially when the whole subplot about, oh, Ilsa killed a bunch of my men, even though it was actually Ethan, whatever. Yeah. You need to bring me Ilsa. That whole plot point just kind of ends. Right. There, there's... And then she just shows up at the end of like, oh, the CIA is still working with her and her brother, and they haven't been arrested or anything. Yeah, like eh, the, eh, the, okay. the structure of that, it feels like they kind of brought her in to make an interesting spy narrative, and then yeah, uh, so that sort of swung itself out of the out of the plot, and then it was like, oh, we got it, we got to keep going this way. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um. And and it, I don't know that it ever quite specifically. I'm thinking of the scene where they're discussing the fact that what their plan is is to recapture Solomon Lane from whatever agency there he's he's in uh, custody of at the moment uh to capture him and then trade him for the plutonium uh and the white widow is the broker and that's sort of uh, is that deal a little convoluted yes you? I, I noticed that's something i i kind of expected on rewatches to pick up more of what they were going for and i never really did it's kind of like i don't know what she you know what everyone's getting out of this well i think the biggest problem for me is they don't really firmly establish that john lark is not working directly with the apostles yeah like at the beginning with the opening exposition where it's like we believe that john lark is working with the apostles and it's like oh okay is he like is he just okay Mm-hmm. And then it's like, no, he's not working with him. He's just making this weird convoluted deal to release Lane for them so he gets the plutonium. Okay. I feel yeah, like I guess we I could have trimmed I feel like we could have trimmed this down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's it I think that internal structure just doesn't quite hold up. Uh, yeah. Um as much as the overall the overall momentum of the movie I think works. Well then well then there's all sorts of questions of like wait, wait, so okay. We don't want to probably get too down in the weeds. Does Solomon right? Lane, like, is he speaking to Henry Cavill from his prison cell? Like, how how much is Solomon Lane in on this plan? Because he seems very in on this plan. But he's been in prison this whole time. Yeah. And he never says, oh, I've been planning this from the beginning since before you captured me, Ethan. Mm-hmm. Like, there's never that moment. Which is good, because those moments are terrible. Um, yeah. But there's nothing. So I have to ask, how, how much of this was Lane actually aware of? Right. Oh, hey, hey, guys, here's the backup plan in case I get captured, okay? You're going to take some nuclear warheads, and this random guy I found looks kind of like Superman. It's weird. <laughs> You're going to make a deal with him to get me free, so that way we get the plutonium to him, and it'll be great. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about this plot. <laughs> little strange especially it's a little strange it's, it, especially after uh ethan and and uh john lark whatever his, his cia name is um especially after they they break out yeah i don't i don't remember his name is that i think that's i feel like that might speak more to the movie as a as a problem yeah the fact that we don't even remember his name i like the character walker like the char- yeah his name is walker yeah. okay okay like i just i just look at him like henry cavill yeah All right um He's an actual actor. He's not just uh angsty murder man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whatever. It would make me... I, I, random side note, have you seen the, the trailer for, for Brightburn? Oh, that's topical. Yes, I have, and it's the most delightful thing I've ever watched. It would watched. make me so happy if they had the adult version of the, the evil kid in that uh, grow up to be Henry Cavill 
and like with the mustache. Henry Cavill played him with the mustache. With the mustache, that would be the best thing. By the way, after watching him in this movie, yep, they didn't owe Justice League anything. No, I'm completely no. fine with them screwing them over <laughs> with the mustache. Glad they did. Actually, I hate that movie. <laughs> I hate it all. Um. Anyway, Mission Impossible, Paramount, Tom Cruise, Church of Scientology. You take what you can get. <laughs> Correct. I'm just kidding. Scientology, you need to be done. Topical. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, so, anyway. Um, we were talking about a legitimate a legitimate point about the movie before. Well, you got over your worst thing, and then I went on to a rant about Solomon Lane and the, the plot of the movie. I got nothing. I think I lost I'll, it. I'll, I'll do my best and worst thing. Okay. Um, <laughs> my best thing is going to be surprising for me. It's the action sequences. And I think we've discussed this many times before. Usually when I'm watching a movie, like, I like the action sequences. Obviously, I like a lot of action movies and, and science fiction movies with action sequences in them, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But that's usually not what my best thing is. That's not usually the reason I like the movie. That's right. Usually it's, it's something more than that. But here, these are some of the best action set pieces I've ever seen in a movie. Mm-hmm. Like, Ever. Um, just the skydiving sequence alone, and I I did watch some of the behind the scenes stuff, and I listened to the commentary track with uh, Macquarie and Tom Cruise, um, most of it. Right. Uh, so I I've seen like a lot of the work that went into that sequence, and I'm just like it boggles the mind, yeah. because not only is this guy the camera guy having he has to jump out of that plane backwards. Okay. But then Tom Cruise has to jump, stay in frame, and stop himself exactly three feet from the camera. Nice. Okay. While skydiving. <laughs> seems seems good. Seems, you know. Not to mention everything else that goes into that sequence, but I, I think right. it's great. And then, like, like the motorbike chase, well, just the extended chase in general, mm-hmm. that feels like it never ends, but in a good way, because mm-hmm. it just keeps escalating. Mm-hmm. Um in Paris and then the ending right the entire helicopter sequence to the fist fight see we've complained about this in some of the previous Mission Impossible movies how it feels like they blow their loads exactly this one feels like it's evenly distributed it's huge action set pieces that's exactly what I was was saying is that it it feels like a build it doesn't feel like here's a big cool thing and I don't know what else we're gonna do this villain sucks (laughs) yeah yeah it, it, it plays really well yeah. And then Tom Cruise running across Paris yes. with a broken foot is the most amazing thing ever. I think it's the I think it's the best running. I think it's the best the best running in the in the in the franchise. And pretty much all of that was him with a broken foot. Beautiful. Aside from the bit where he jumps and breaks his foot. <laughs> yeah. Um Well, and and it's just that entire extended sequence is like there cuz you've got you've got it all. You've got the one track where it's or the the one shot where it's panning and it like circles around him as yeah. he just runs across his rooftop and he's like jumping onto uh, stairs. It's not really like parkour, but it's just like it's it's a nice change of pace as we watch him run gloriously uh, through the tops of Paris or the, the rooftops yeah. of Paris. Um, and then the, uh, the there's the long sequence of him on the roof and we keep getting these nice panoramic views. Uh, as he as he's running, and then you know in the background it's just like a still shot, and he's he's running on this tiny rooftop, and the yeah. just all of the the city behind him, 
and they do that several times. Um, there, it's it's got the whole package. It's just the whole Tom Cruise running experience. Yeah. Well, it, it's just funny because even but like starting that sequence when he's just kind of walking through that church, mm-hmm. and he sees that his interest or his exits are all blocked, and he goes, "I don't know who's who's following me. Apostles, CIA. Does it really matter right now?" I'm like, I feel like that's them speaking to the audience. <laughs> Just don't think about Maybe it. It's a not a big deal. Maybe a I, I will say probably my, my one complaint regarding the action sequence is just with the motorcycle chase, I think the one in Rogue Nation was better. Yeah. When he's racing through the desert. Right. I think it was better. Isn't I that- can't really place my finger on why. Um... Maybe it's because he's chasing people instead of getting yeah. chased by a bunch of cops. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I feel like there's just less danger involved. And of course there's not, but it, I, like I, that illusion. Right. You know. Yeah. I don't know. That might be a little too nitpicky. Um, now, one thing I did want to mention was if anybody's gone back and listened to our Rogue Nation episode, I pointed out this very weird thing that I noticed with pretty much every single action sequence mm-hmm. where – Right at the moment of impact of a punch or a kick or what have you, the footage would speed up. Like they were trying to increase the, the amount of impact that mm. like a punch or something had. Um, and I noticed it a lot less in this one. Okay. I don't know if it was still present because when I saw it in Rogue Nation, I couldn't unsee it. Mm-hmm. And I saw it in every single sequence where there was a fight. Right. And it drove me nuts. This one, I saw it a lot less. The only time I really noticed it was in the the gunfight underground Mm -hmm. where Alec Baldwin gets stabbed. Um, I noticed a few bits where I'm like, oh, they sped up the footage a little bit. Uh, You didn't need to do that. Right. Oh, I didn't even mention the bathroom fight. That's amazing. There's so many cool things in this movie. I just love all the set pieces. Yep. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> um, have I said my worst thing yet? No, I don't even remember. Not. Um, jeez, I'm not quite sure what my worst thing is. I do have a worst thing. I have some problems with the movie. Uh, I think my my worst thing would just be. I feel like the villains are wonderful to watch. Like a. I, I think I've said before how much I like Solomon Lane. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like Henry Cavill a lot in this as Walker or John Lark or whatever. Um, like, they're very fun to watch. I don't give a crap about their motivations. Like, they are so paper thin of just, we're crazy, we want bombs to blow up, new world order. Yep. These, these are all just words. Mm-hmm. Especially like the... They they have the manifesto that keeps getting referenced of like there must be great suffering. Yeah, it's like this this doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying it has to mean something because it's a Mission Impossible movie, so I mm-hmm. shouldn't be looking at it too much. Like it's it's supposed to be very you know popcorn escapist entertainment, right? But at the same time, I feel like they're trying to get at something with a lot of this stuff, and I kind of feel that way about Ethan and his character arc in the movie where. I feel like they're starting to get at something real interesting, but then he never talks about how he's feeling at all in the movie. Yeah. Pretty much all of Ethan's dialogue revolves around the plot and not himself. Right. Which I I think is a problem. Um, so I'm able to tell you what his character arc is, but I don't really feel it. 
And I feel like that overall, the movie feels a bit more superficial than I'd like it to be mm-hmm. because I feel like it's trying a bit harder. What? Considering it's a Mission Impossible movie. I think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that, I mean, I, for one, I almost wish they didn't. I'm torn because Henry Cavill being the villain is great. Um, I al- it's also not a surprise in the slightest. Yes, and I think be- because of that, I almost wish he was just bumbling American idiot um, that joined the crew. I think that would have been a ton of fun if he had, if he had become part of the, the 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 normal operation. Like if he you know he'd gotten transferred to MIF at the end of MIF IMF at the end of the movie. Um, I think that would have been a lot of fun. I think I think he's his early stuff where he's like. <laughs> The- they do this whole thing where every movie they, you know, have a new actor show up, mm-hmm. like a new famous actor show up. They become the head of the IMF, and then the next movie they're killed yes. off. So they bring in a <laughs> – welcome to the IMF, Mr. Secretary. Yeah. It's the exact same end scene <laughs> from Rogue Nation, but it's with Henry Cavill, and then they just kill him in the next one. Yeah. Um, well, I liked it because in the trailers they made it seem like – not necessarily that he was the bad guy, but more he was just antagonistic towards exactly. Ethan. He was just trying to hunt him down because once again Ethan goes rogue because we right. cannot do anything and I, different and I think than that these was movies. A lot of a, uh, I think that was a fun dynamic early on was him being like, "Oh, I know, you know, I I know how this goes. You know, you you guys yeah. are are you know a bunch of children playing around with masks and like yeah the the part where the the fight he has with the uh, the John Lark uh, impersonator." Um, in the bathroom where, where he, yeah. you know, Ethan's trying to stab him with his, his needle to, you know, pull off the, the mission exactly as planned. John or Walker just like slams the, slams him with the laptop case. Like that's a ton of fun. Uh, I, I love that dynamic they have where he, you know, they're, he's kind of playing up as it's, it's almost a parody of who he's supposed to be a Superman. Uh, not that we ever really got to see that, but just the idea of like, ah, oh, yes, I am the, uh, the ideal American spy. And he's just like, this blunt kind of uh not quite an idiot but but someone who just doesn't grasp the finer details and just sort of attacks everything um i think that's a that's a really great dynamic to add there and i i wish i do really like him as the villain as we we get that later on yeah i think it's a lot of fun scenes with that i think his final fight with ethan is awesome um i think funnily enough i think henry cavill plays being evil better than being good yeah and of course that's not fair because how much they butchered Superman well, in those movies. I was going to say you but compare even, him to But even so, like people make the jokes of, "Oh, his Superman's like evil, like Brightburn." Right. People are like, "How's that any different from the actual <laughs> Man of Steel?" And I'm like, okay, there is a huge difference. Let's let's not kid ourselves." <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, he's not that far off from being a bad guy. But they don't, yeah. they don't let him revel in being well, a bad guy. And and when you see him as Superman at the end of Justice League when they actually let him be Superman, it's great. So I, you know, I don't, I, I think it's, it's just that he's a, he's an underused, underutilized actor because they kind of just kept him in the basement uh, for a, because a large Warner number. Warner Brothers of years. secretly hates Superman. Yes, and also probably the rest of the DC heroes. The Dark Knight was a mistake. Christopher Funnily Nolan got you, too powerful. Funnily enough, you bring that up. The way I would describe this movie is if you told Christopher Nolan, make a Roger Moore James Bond movie. That's fascinating, because all I could think of while watching the movie was, A, how much it reminded me, or how much it made it... So, kind of playing off the fact that Henry Cavill initially plays a bumbling American uh, spy, 
it almost feels like a, a Bond movie. Like that almost feels like the, yeah. the 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 dynamic they're setting up is that it. You know, usually you'd have the CIA be like, "Oh, the CIA is meddling in uh, the British Special Forces affairs," and and that's how that. Like it feels like they almost want to make that plot instead, um, which I thought was super interesting. Secondly, uh, the entire fight, like in the. Uh, in Paris, like that entire whatever it is in Paris, yeah. right? Is it is it in Paris yes. in both movies? No, not not in Rogue Nation. No. What what's the scene? Is am I am I getting the mixed up? Which which one has the scene with the Arc du Triumph? That's this one. Is that this one? Yes, because he's driving against traffic. Yeah, no, I remember the scene, but for some reason, yeah, I was telling you they all run together. Um, but anyway. They don't for me, but I'm, I'm I, I cannot like a weirdo keep, who's obsessed. I have literally movies. been staring into the distance while you've been talking at certain <laughs> points, just trying to to like separate out what the the last three movies were. Um, See, uh, you, you know, all I remember is Mission Impossible Two, and I, <laughs> it won't let me forget it. Yeah. Um. The. Ooh, what was I talking about? Um. Yeah the 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 plot feels kind of like a almost like a James Bond plot. Um, and even that kind of plays into the White Widow stuff and the fact that that's all sort of mired in conspiracy and secrecy and you, you never really get a feel for the character's motivations or anything like that because yeah. it's, it's all very spy talk. Um, two, though, that entire chase sequence and I think to, to a larger part of a lot of the movie and, and the sensibilities of the movies feels so much like Inception. Um, yeah. Well, even the score. Yes, like a lot of it, like the, the whole bit where the police are just driving through Paris before the ambush mm-hmm. happens and mm-hmm. the buildup, it's like the cops driving with Harvey Dent in the truck mm-hmm. in Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. It's it's very uh, Nolan inspired, and you you can tell, uh, which yes. is a good thing. I mean, it's not you know, it it's the sort of thing where uh, if it ain't broke, exactly. Like like there there's not a whole lot wrong with with aping off this style if you can do it well. It's it's the thing that uh. I believe it was Patrick H. Willems uh, did a a breakdown of Michael Bay uh, as the auteur, um, and he talked about the fact that his style, as much as you might hate it, is so hard to replicate and and hit such a specific yeah. like thing. Like it, it does, it, it's such an effective version of what he does, and it's so hard to do. And and I think it's the same idea of like it might feel a lot like somebody else's movie. But it's very hard to do that. Like, it's very hard to, yeah. to make a movie that feels like a Nolan movie. And, and while this may not... Quite, I mean, you you probably couldn't pass this off as a real thing, but I think in, in terms of that, it, it's it's very similar and, and works very well. It's very effective as an action movie. Well, the, the weird thing about the movie is that it's able to balance its tone. And yes. that's why I say it's like asking Nolan to do a Roger Moore Bond movie, mm-hmm. where it's it's this ridiculous, over-the-top plot. Mm-hmm. These These... Pretty much caricaturish villains. Yeah. Um, and your heroes, they got a little meat to them, but not a whole lot mm-hmm. of characterization going on. It's mostly plot driven, like a Roger Moore Bond movie. But it's done with such finesse in terms of the directing and just the momentum and pace of the story. It feels like Nolan directing a Roger Moore Bond mm-hmm. movie. That's that's how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, and it's just amazing because once again, like Rogue Nation, they did not start with a. a finished script so they were pretty mm-hmm. much writing it on the fly which i find to be amazing when they're able to do that and it actually works for the ridiculously most yeah. well i mean we talked about like the white widow stuff it kind of falls mm-hmm. apart kind of just falls out of the movie whatever not a big deal 
for the most like we talk about how convoluted the deal is it's not like there's huge plot holes or like it makes it like it doesn't make mm-hmm. sense it's just we could have simplified it a bit i don't know like there's a right. there's a lot of back and forth right. i don't know how much of this well, was the, necessary the movie the movie put so many like kind of layers of of it, it never makes it enough of the focus for us to like actually question it 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 really yeah. just buries it it's like ah that's plot don't worry about plot uh we got we got we got action look at action see i i don't know if i completely agree with that because there's so many scenes like there's a lot of action in this movie but there's a lot of scenes where they're just trading exposition yeah. there's but, a lot no i'm saying i'm saying the the specifics of that deal because like they use the di- <clears throat> what they use the dialogue for is they use the dialogue and the exposition for talking about the relationships between Ethan Hunt and the White Widow and Ethan Hunt and Solomon Lane. They use that for kind of building that rapport and, and making sure that the, the characters all feel connected. They don't really yeah. focus that much on like, all right, so why are they doing this for this for this? It's just, oh, yeah. Solomon Lane's back. He's a bad guy. Ethan Hunt is afraid of him. Um, he doesn't yeah. want to go up against him again, or he, he doesn't want him to get out. You know, he's, a, he's upset by this deal. Uh, it, it's it's a lot more surface level well, even the, character reactions. Well, even just in terms of directing, like, the scene after, you know, he finds the White Widow at the party, mm-hmm. they get into the fight, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and then they, like, go to her and her brother's mansion or whatever, and they're prepping. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, God. Yeah, we're that's exactly what I'm Solomon talking about. Lane. Just in terms of the directing, and this is mostly because I was listening to the commentary track, so I've got a lot of this in my head. Um, he's surrounded. Like, there's no way out. Like, there's just this claustrophobic feeling while he's realizing, oh, hey, I think I've stepped into a trap, <laughs> but nobody knows it's a trap yes. except me. Yeah. I made a trap for myself. Yeah. 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 There, there's just a lot of smart directing like that that I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Do we want to talk about Ethan and Tom Cruise and the current state of his character? Yeah. Um, he's a madman. Yes. Uh, but they do probably... And I'm not talking about Ethan. <laughs> I mean, this is the most character work they've done since... Uh, since 3. Since really. 3. Because, which, again, hey, yeah, look at, you know, they, they, they give screen... T- what's what's the actress's name to his ex-wife? Um, Michelle Monaghan? Yes. Julia? I should remember that. It, um, it It is very nice that they brought her back yeah. and they sort of wrapped up that mm-hmm. that story thread mm-hmm. I, I thought that was very effective and it, it's it's a very as much as i complain about how superficial i think ethan's arc kind of is i i liked that quite a bit well it's it's all about <laughs> ethan's arc is basically can he do the thing he might not be able to do the thing oh he did the thing um oh hey he can save everyone right uh, okay. Which is... And and then if you start to read into it, especially with Tom Cruise and stuff, <laughs> you're like, oh, there's like this weird, sicko, ego, maniacal angle sure. to this, isn't there? But, Where Tom Cruise is the perfect man, he can do no wrong. He could probably save us all, though. I think I think if they were like... If they, if they wanted, like, an action hero... He jumped out of a plane <laughs> if, and stopped himself three if, feet from the camera. If there was ever a secret, gov- a secret doomsday scenario where it's like, Tom Cruise, you have to, like, uh, be la- land on an, on an asteroid and, and run to the other side of it to jump onto another asteroid and then, like, I don't know, plan a nuke or something. This is probably the plot of, like, Armageddon. Um, but, but basically, like... You, you know, if we needed someone to do something like that, I think I'd choose Tom Cruise. I know he plays an action hero, but I think he, he is. He, he just he is he an just action hero. Just look at you and point. go, "When do you need it done by?" Yeah. <laughs> Want to see me do it again? <laughs> <laughs> my 
like like I realize he's he plays an action hero, but I think he is an action hero at this point. I, I don't think he really differentiates between uh, reality and film at this point. Which is pretty much like all the stuff. Exactly. Like he's actually doing pretty much all of it. And he's not young. No, he's in his mid late fifties, yeah, like, and he looks like he's in his early forties. Yeah. It's a uh, it's fascinating. Scientology is keeping him alive. <laughs> That or God has a real good sense of humor. <laughs> Why not both? <laughs> oh. Um. But yeah, I, I'm i not sure about the approach they take with Ethan's character where it's like, oh, his decision well, to save the one person, like, is that going to cause the it, doom of us all because he can't make hard decisions? Right. And that's, that's sort of... I a, don't know if that ultimately works for me. Because that's that's a tangent that the, it's something that got brought up in um, kind of the wake of Infinity War to to go on a quick MCU tangent because that's the thing that the MCU deals a with a lot of and we've talked about it before. Um, hey, better than going on a DCU brand, yeah, you know, tangent, am I uh, right? But back in in uh, Age of Ultron, there's like a specific line that's very similar of like, uh, you know, we the the sort of we don't trade lives kind of thing i guess that's more infinity wars theme but the the overall thing of like um we're not gonna where they're they're saying they're not gonna blow up the the floating city uh yeah you know with anybody left on it um that whole that whole deal you know the and then that sort of plays out into infinity war where in infinity war because they don't trade lives all the heroes lose and that's a that's a thing that comes up, and I'm sure I could think of other examples in other other mo- recent action movies. But that comes up so often in terms of you present. I mean, Spider Man, Spider Man 2000, whatever, 2002, 2001, um, 2002. Yeah, where uh, you know it's oh, you can only save Mary Jane or this group or this tram full of children. Oh wait, you can do both. Okay, that's fine. Um, that only took him five seconds. <laughs> he caught both. How am, gonna, how am I gonna beat this guy? It zooms in on Morpheus's face. He is the one. You can't do this to me. Uh, <laughs> you killed Captain <laughs> Clown. Yeah, it it's the it's the same. It's the hero uh, dilemma that's not really a hero dilemma because they can actually just do both. Um, which is something. It it kind of plays out in the in the way of like, oh, it doesn't really matter because like they can. It's okay. They can. Uh, you know, do the, the the thing, and then you can feel very empowered by it. It's like, ah, oh, they triumphed. So it's it's sort of telling people, oh, you you do good because it'll always work out, um, which is fine, but it's yeah. very shallow, and it's 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 very been there uh, in terms of. I think. Movies. I think I know what my problem with that is. I don't think the ending itself cements that idea yeah. because at the end. Ethan's fighting... I mean, he is fighting to save Julia, mm-hmm. but he's also fighting to save his friends and the whole world. Right. There's, it's not a similar situation to the beginning where he has to save Luther. True. Then ever... He, he has... He chooses... He actively chooses to save an individual, and that ends up winning him the day. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not what the ending is. The ending is just, I'm gonna kill you, Henry Cavill. True. And I have to free climb because hey, remember the <laughs> beginning of Mission Impossible. Only now 2? it's going to be awesome. Only now uh, it's going to be awesome and yeah. not horribly laughable. That's very true. They never really pay off that theme. I um, mean, it's it's yeah. sort of the same. It, it does bother me well, a little because the the theme the mo- the title of the movie comes from uh, 
Solomon Lane's quote where he's like, "The it's this is the fallout of all your good intentions." Yeah. Um, well, and he, and he also says, like I said in my opening, he he goes, "Was there ever a mission that you chose to not take?" Mm-hmm. That means nothing, mm-hmm. because. As far as we know, Ethan has taken every mission because he's a crazy It really person. almost is like, we've set up all these really interesting themes, but you're not going to get a good payoff to them until the next movie, if they if they do it, if they continue to build like this. and I, Which is weird, because this almost feels like the end of the series. Right. Um, like, this feels like you could almost end it here and it'd be fine. And it's because it's like, what more can Tom Cruise do? Uh, Don't say that. He'll go into space. Uh, that's exactly what I was thinking. He'll get there before Fast and Furious. <laughs> as God is his... As Zenu is his witness. Uh, but I was going to say... I will it, I will say, I guess the idea... That kind of what they're supposed to be playing off of that is... Because he chose not to... Um, save Luther. Like, because he, because he chose to, to... Or because he chose to save Luther. Uh, the idea is supposed to be that because of that the world's going to die but he prevents that too and so i i I guess that is kind of what it's it's the the long game of like that decision is what the rest of the movie is about um i don't know that's also not really a clear enough decision for it to be like oh here's the point where he gave because it really is just like if they just if he shot luther shot the other guys then just immediately secured the plutonium he'd probably be fine um yeah well it's it's also weird i i don't really care much for that opening scene Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of very weird, you just gotta let it go type of things. Mm-hmm. Like, Ethan is a crack shot in these movies. Like, he hardly misses. Yeah. Like, when the when the lady cop gets shot, which helps to cement the save the one life right. bit, and he shoots all the guys, he does it, no hesitation, like he's able to kill them all quickly. He shoots Luther twice in the chest, but there's body armor. Then he immediately goes to shoot everyone else and misses every single shot. Mm-hmm. I don't buy that from this crazy <laughs> version of Ethan Hunt. It's it's sort of like in uh, Spectre when Bond is like, "Oh, I'm I'm sniping everyone from a distance with my pistol." Uh, that's that's a, an Ethan Hunt thing where it's like you'd expect him to be able to. Oh, hey, the, he, but it's even worse in Spectre, okay? Because he got drilled into right. his brain. But but that's what I'm saying is you would expect Ethan Hunt to get drilled in the brain and then just go out and just wipe out this army. Uh, just oh my by- god, which one's worse? Never mind. Now I'm rethinking <laughs> this entire thing. Which one's worse? Yeah, yeah. Well, even more so. It's it's another DC reference. It's like how. The Justice League gets distracted by fighting Superman, so Steppenwolf just grabs one of the Martha boxes and mm-hmm. just flies away. Exactly. Yeah. They ju- the apostles just grab the plutonium and then they just kind of leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Unintentionally. Because it really is <laughs> just like they. Benji could have gone to, to check on Luther, and then and then Ethan should have just grabbed the plutonium. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I. I I'm fine with the setup. It's just a little shaky for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and even more so, because there, there's more to Ethan's arc than just saving the one life. Mm-hmm. It's more about him just looking at his life and going, I have regrets, mm-hmm. particularly with Julia. Um, I do really like the actual opening of the movie, which is him dreaming. Um, right. Him and, you know, they get, they're get they getting married, and Solomon Lane's there giving a speech. Well, he's the, he's, um, he's the minister. Yeah. Um, and then they blow up. It's weird. Like, that's horrific. It is weird, though, because that's a dream. Because Lane looks like modern Lane and not how he did in Rogue no, Nation. No, I don't care about that. the last time Ethan saw him. 
I mean, what a plot hole. I mean, that doesn't even. Who directed this movie? The Russo brothers. I don't even slightly think that's a problem. I was gonna say. No, I know. I'm, I'm messing. Uh, with you. He has the dream, and then later Solomon Lane quotes the dream to him, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, that's true, doesn't he?" Yeah, and so it's it's like <laughs> Inception. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. A little strange. Um. But I do, I do like the bit at the end where you know he sees Julie again and he's just like he's he can't stop apologizing mm-hmm. to her. Mm-hmm. Where he's just like, "I'm so sorry," and she's like, "Hey, Ethan, I'm happy with my life. If I hadn't met you and we had gone through those experiences, I wouldn't be doing this. Right. I wouldn't be helping people right. like this. Thank you. I, I like that. Yeah, I like that angle. So I I feel like half of Ethan's arc works pretty well, and the other half, I'm like. Yeah, we're almost there. Yeah, <laughs> and it's and like enough I said, I to think... give you feelings. <laughs> yes, um, and I, I really think the the biggest problem that I have is that Ethan just doesn't talk about himself enough. Mm-hmm. Um, which is weird because it's Tom Cruise. You think he talk about himself <laughs> a lot, um, but the fact that we're given all of his characterization from other people, like the conversation that Luther and Ilsa have. Where he, where Luther's just like, he's only cared about two women in his life. Yeah. One of them was his wife, and then the other one's you. So I need you to leave because you're one more problem than he needs right now. Right. Interesting conversation. I f- kind of feel like we need to hear it from Ethan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's never really a point where it's like he saves. Ilsa Does Benji ever or- even talk to Ethan in this Ethan. whole movie? Like, I feel like they don't even exchange any dialogue, aside from the beginning. Yeah. I was just going to say... There, there's a bit of neglecting certain supporting characters, right. and then we need to talk about Ilsa, because I, I, she's she's underutilized in Well, this. that's what I was going to say, is, like, I, I almost think Ilsa... The, the arc should somehow end with Ilsa saving Ethan, to be like, ah... Yeah. You know they you know that that came full circle, and the fact that she was there actually helped Ethan, and he could trust her to to you know kind of watch for herself and to have his back. Like he has someone yeah. that can now uh, be a, be be crazy spy person with him. Um, and so there's that. Uh, He's found his perfect match. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now they can both skydive we, and land within what? three feet of the camera together, <laughs> holding hands. D- discuss your. Uh, your your doubts about Elsa. I just think she's underutilized. Like I I don't I just don't think she's in the movie enough. I like her her whole angle. I, I like the whole bit of of why she's in this and why she's kind she's kind of pushing the plot forward. And for the first half of the movie, you're like, why why is she here? What is she up to? But then she explains like she wants Lane to get free so that she has an opportunity to take him out. Mm-hmm. That way, MI6 will let her go. Like that all. That all. Like I like that mm-hmm. quite a bit. And well, the it whole, plays out of you know, where she's like, they never, they're never done with you. They and, never let you leave. exactly. Which and you and you should have come with me. Yeah. Like I, just that immediately single line. We get their whole relationship from Rogue Nation. Like mm-hmm. call back, complete continuity. I get it. Yeah, which plays back to a lot of the the spy stuff in Rogue Nation that I feel like worked a lot better because it was all these com- competing agencies that were backstabbing yeah. each other, and I think that that worked a little better. Which is something that I don't feel like gets explored very much in spy movies. Yes, at least pop spy movies. James Bond, Born, mm-hmm. 
they don't really talk about competing agencies from different nations mm-hmm. as much. Unless it's like, you know, old Bond movies of Russia versus uh, UK. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, and then, do you find it weird that Ilsa is ultimately the one that has the final confrontation with Lane? It's not Ethan? Not really. I mean... Solomon Lane haunts his nightmares. Sure, but she also, like, was super royally screwed and, and terrified. I mean, you you just think back to the scene in the last movie where they're in the, uh... I think they're in the graveyard, and, like... Yeah. She's basically putting her life on the line, like, bluffing and hoping that he doesn't call her bluff. Oh, yeah. And the, like, and the bit where it's like, oh, the flash drive has nothing on it, and then he just, like, cr- he's shaking his hand yeah. as if he's about yeah. to, like, strangle her I, or I something. I feel yeah. like... You know, I, I follow, yeah. I, I, both of them should have shot him in the face <laughs> together, or holding hands. He, he's about to kill Ethan, and then she comes in and, and kills him. Maybe, something like that. Yeah. Or stops him whatever I guess not kill him I do like the final fight scene between her Solomon Lane and Benji yeah. cause it's it's brutal yeah once again it feels like Nolan directing uh-huh. a goofy James Bond movie uh-huh. I like it a lot Man. Tom Cruise is willing to put his life on the line for my amusement okay so he is willing to climb up a helicopter and fall off it yes. for my amusement. First, I want to address that. That entire helicopter sequence, I think it's great. It's over the top. It's, it's kind of ridiculous, but it's awesome. Um, I love the fact that he tries to drop the payload, and then it just completely misses. And that's when uh, that's what alerts uh, Walker. Yeah. And he's like, what? And, and I love him just being like, why is this man not dead? Yeah. Well, I, even more so, I like the moment where Walker, he, he almost just kind of, like, shrugs and he just, yeah, and he pulls out the machine gun. Yeah. He's like, all right, I'll just shoot at you. It's fine. He's a great straight man villain. Yeah. Uh, where he's he's caught up in this this web of, uh, you know, kind of backstory, and he's just like, I don't, ju- just kill the dude. What are you, like... Just let me blow everything yeah. up. Oh, I love the moment where he... <laughs> He, he walks up to, you know, it's actually Benji because they're doing the whole fake out. Um, there's there's a good few fake outs in this movie. Yep. Um, and he goes, why do you have to make this so effing complicated? Uh-huh. And I'm just like, Christopher McQuarrie, why do you have to make this <laughs> so effing complicated? Yeah. Um, his death scene is spectacular. Uh, not even really seen so much. Once as- again, Nolan, they turn him into Two-Face. <laughs> Well, yeah, they turn him into Toothface, and then he just gets foreheaded by a by well, a. Well, it's strange because, I, you know, deforming him is a nice touch. Mm-hmm. It's almost like we're revealing the evil within. But I feel like that's almost like a sequel baby thing of like, oh, he's yes. gonna be back, and then they just kill <laughs> and then him. It's like, oh like, no, that's... he's not gonna be back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that that felt that once again that just came, seemed kind of strange to me. It's again the sort of thing of like. I wish he was. I wish he was around for the crew, but he's he's a he's. It's so much fun to watch him as a villain that I don't hate it too much. Yeah. Again, I wish that they kept him alive, but him getting just speared in the head with a helicopter hook is spectacular, and I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, even more so than that, I, I love the moment where after Ethan's done all the running, he's done all the running one can possibly do in this life. He's hanging on uh-huh. the bottom of the elevator, and Henry Cavill's just staring at him like. Oh, you tried so hard. <laughs> yeah, that entire play, that that that's played so well or shot so well, by the way. Where where uh, um, 
Walker's getting into the walking into the tower to get on the elevator, yeah. and, and you see Ethan in the background just ah, like <laughs> closing the ground. Uh, that's yeah. that's excellent. Um, well, even even just the final shot where Ethan's like, "Oh God, he's going to kill Julia. Everything's ruined. They're going to blow everything up." And the the helicopter just just circles around him on top of that building, mm-hmm. and the music's just uber depressing. Yeah. And I'm like, "Oh God, that that hurts." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's some very effective moments in this movie. Mm-hmm. I it's like it's like 95 percent there. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the the twist and subsequent uh, death of uh, the I forget his name in in the thing. Um, I also forget his name in real life for some reason. Alec Baldwin. Yeah, him, that guy. I think it works better in this movie in terms of an individual movie than as a sequel. Yes. Um, because once again, can we quit getting rid of our heads of the IMF? Who even was the head in the last movie? It was him. Like, we, was like we didn't have one because the IMF was still right, shut right, down. Right, and it, it, was, it was Jeremy Renner. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Also. Wait, no. Not Jeremy Renner. No, no. Jer- there wasn't anyone in charge. Jeremy Renner was kind of like he was defending the IMF, but there was nobody in charge because. And Jeremy the, Renner uh, was in the last movie. Yes, but he wasn't in this one. He was it's in the last confusing. movie, but I thought he was in Ghost Protocol. Yes, he's in both. Jeremy Renner's in is two he of in, these. Is he in both? Yeah. Are you really asking that question to me? I'm. I'm very confused. I swear right, they're all the have same. To watch them all. I was gonna one say one night we're watching all. Six you think this movies. is going to make it better? <laughs> yes. You know why? Because be like, I'm going to have tons of fun. I don't care if you have fun. It'll be fun. like, oh, that's the first one. That's the second one. That, uh, th- th- four? Five? Eight? Is that from Spectre? Funny segue. Um, com- like, having Rogue Nation and Fallout, comparing that to Skyfall and Spectre as, like, sets of of two movies that are supposed to be interconnected. These two work so much better in terms of like carrying over ideas and actually having the plot make sense because you get to the end of, um, rogue nation and it's like, okay, Alec Baldwin, he's decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to leave the CIA. I'm going to work for the IMF. Mm -hmm. We're going to, we're going to work together because I know how things run now. And I trust Ethan Hunt because he's the best of the best. Mm -hmm. And then you get to this one and you have, um, What's her name? It's Angela Bassett's character. I can't remember. I also can't. It's remember. not Amanda Waller, <laughs> which is funny because she played Amanda Waller in the Green Lantern movie, hmm. which was one of the ways they were trying to set up a cinematic universe with the Green ah! Lantern movie. <laughs> but this shows that she can be an amazing Amanda Waller. Yeah. Um, but it's like, oh no. The IMF still has a long way to go. Like they're not like immediately back up at the top. <laughs> Whereas you look at Skyfall and you know M's under investigation, and it's like, oh, the MI6 is terrible. We're shutting it down. Right. And then you get to the next one, and it's like, oh, hey, we're still shutting it down. <laughs> I'll get there eventually. And like, there's no discussion about like, hey, didn't remember when this happened last year? <laughs> like, there's there's no references to like the inner politics of everything that went on in the previous movie. Right. Like, there is here. Right. Um. I don't know these these two movies are what I wanted from Spectre mm-hmm. 
Broad strokes. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of how you handle a shadowy organization. Right. Um, I do think they could have done a lot more with the Syndicate yes. and the Apostles. And that's one thing I feel like is really missing from this movie are the Apostles as an entity. Because they're really only at the beginning. Uh-huh. And then they're just gone from the movie. And it's like... <clears throat> exactly. And I feel like these pop spy movies, they never really deal with... There's a shadowy organization that controls everything and you don't know about it. And they can, like, at a moment's notice, like, a whole bunch of assassins can just be on you and try and kill you. Yeah. Godfather style. Yep. (laughs) I feel like none of these movies have really been able... You know, in Bond or Mission Impossible, have really been able to tackle that in a way I would like. Right. Um, But at least in this one, it's like... Oh hey, just because they took down um, Lane in the previous film doesn't mean the syndicate is completely gone, mm-hmm. which is kind of what I'm afraid of for the next Bond movie, where it's just like, yeah, don't yeah, think about the old film. Spectre's, Spectre's gone. gone. He took them all out. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Remember when he was shooting them up in the compound? Yeah, that was all of them. Yeah, he killed them all. It's fine. Every single one of those guys he shot, they were all at that boardroom meeting. Mm-hmm. He killed them all. Mm-hmm. It's fine. And then Dave Batista killed the rest when you weren't looking. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like, yeah, I, I I really wish that Spectre had had kind of the exact same plot as this movie. <laughs> yep. You could have gotten away with it, I think. Yeah, you could have, because you could have had, like, like Leia Seydoux's character could have been kind of like the Ilsa proxy, and instead of having Julia showed up, it could just be a bond still still being not being able to get over vesper or you know i don't know you could do, yeah, yeah. Ah, I'm, I'm so upset with specter anyways let's not talk about specter anymore because it only brings me pain and misery yeah <laughs> i don't know I'm, I, i've done gotten out most of my thoughts i think yeah i don't know if you have anything else I just find it amusing that Lane is the um, map guy from Prometheus, who he ha- he's he created the map and yet he gets lost, <laughs> and then he turns into the, the weird zombie creature that attacks all the crew members. That's him. Uh-huh. I just think that's funny. <laughs> and I was listening to the commentary track, and apparently, like he's a real actor Mm -hmm. which i find weird because how did he end up in prometheus (laughs) i think most people in prometheus probably don't know how they ended up there (laughs) including ridley scott (laughs) what room am i staying in (laughs) that's an in joke not really i mean in joke anyway deep cut uh, apparent deep cut yeah there we go um and my captain clown joke wasn't (laughs) um but the Apparently, like, in the commentary track, they, they said that actor, apparently he didn't want to do another one. And while they were doing Rogue Nation, he was like, I'll, I'll be the villain as, as long as you kill me. And, of course, they didn't. Uh-huh. And he was like, I don't want to be in the next one. <laughs> and they're like, but it's, but Ethan has to break you out. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> and apparently, like, they kept trying to tell him, play it up more. Be more over the top and ridiculous. Like, yeah. you're a bad guy. Play it up. Interesting. I find him very chilling in a yeah. lot of his sequences. The, and 
furthering my specter connection compare solomon lane and this guy's performance to blofeld mm-hmm. i want this guy to be blofeld right. well i'm just thinking of the the i mean the thing get rid of the brother thing but i want him to <laughs> right. be blofeld the thing that comes to mind immediately is uh the the scene where they they see ilsa after they you know tom cruise ends up like hitting him hitting her with the car and they drive off yeah. and then they they're driving off and and uh, Solomon Lane's like that was Ilsa and then Ethan's like shut up and he's like fascinating and it's just yeah. like what does he say th- like what what do I said a word yeah, b- it's like, the, what, you know what am I beforehand <sighs> like it's just he, he leaves so much to the imagination in terms of like what's going on in his brain uh, in a way that works really really well his motivations are paper thin though but that's why that's why like, that performance works so well like, but it's all the performance. Sure, but it's a great performance. Like when, when you, like when he gets to the end, he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna die. I don't, I don't care anymore. Whatever. I'll, I'll just kill myself with these bombs." It's like, okay, yeah. Why? What is your thought process? Remember Thanos? How like we spent a good <laughs> chunk of the movie being like, "Here's why you should actually, you know, you don't have to like him, but at least have some investment in what he's up and about." Right. And this guy's just like. New world order. We will tear down the old world, Ethan. You should have killed me. Hail Hydra. <laughs> Hail Hydra. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I I just don't think we've had, both on a writing level and an acting level, I don't think we've had a good, a, a great Mission Impossible villain since uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman in the third one. Mm-hmm. I mean, he we we again talked with him about the fact that that was mostly acting. Well, here's the thing. Here's the difference between the two characters. He's not constantly spouting off some pseudo philosophy. This guy is constantly spouting vague philosophy. And I'm like, I don't know what any of this actually means. You keep saying we need to tear the old world down. I don't know what you mean. What you're telling me is everything they've built will fall. <laughs> and from the ashes of their new of their <laughs> old world, we'll build a new Mission Impossible movie. Right. And a new Church of Scientology. <laughs> I guess the last thing to talk about, ironically enough, is the beginning. Because we didn't really talk about them capturing the science scientist who apparently weaponized oh, yeah. the plutonium and that that whole fake that out with wolf blitzer great. um just in the theater because and this is the this is how you handle titling a movie where it's uh-huh. a double entendre where you know it's called fallout yep and then you just watch the movie knowing oh god fallout it's referencing yeah. these three different locations yeah. that got destroyed by nuclear weapons yeah. But then it ends up being a fake out. It's like, oh, it's it's the fallout. It's, it's a great fake okay, out. I mean, they do fall. it. It's it is almost too uh, sort of a, a throwback to the third one, um, and the beginning of the third one, or no, not the third one, the first one, I believe, which is the the one that that starts like that, where it's like I, I want to say it is the first one, where it starts it starts with them like interrogating a guy, and they basically trick him into giving them the yeah. information, and then kind of plays into like ah, oh, they were faking it the whole time, like yeah, that, they they it's the same idea. Very well done. Well, I like when they're able to use the masks effectively, um, and they do it uber effectively. They do it here. very effectively, and they also make sure not to like overdo it by having yeah. like they have the the mask machine get broken, 
um, so that he has to Ethan just has to play Ethan and pretend to be John Lark. Yeah, uh, that works out really well. Yeah, uh, they they do a good job of hiding the masks for long enough that you kind of forget about them, and then they, they bring them back yeah. in the big the big twist. You know, with Benji being Solomon Lane. Uh, yeah, it works really well. I never really mentioned that the fact that that the the White Widow is Max's daughter from yeah. the first movie, and that's just like the coolest thing ever, um, <laughs> because even before she says like my mother was Max, um, I almost wish they had a little bit more of a reference to it. Like Ethan mm-hmm. goes, you know, I knew your mother; you were exactly <laughs> like her, <laughs> or you know, something like that. Um, just her performance, like the like the way she talks, mm-hmm. it's. It's eerily similar huh. to to the lady from the first movie. Mm-hmm. Like watching her performance, I'm like, are you her daughter <laughs> in real life? Fascinating. Yeah. Um, like I said, we'll marathon them. Sure, that'll go well. Th- this movie really does tie together all of them except the second one. Uh, in a, he does the he does the free uh, climbing. That's all uh, we need. True, true. All we need again. In a although. W- you know, we we talk about this whole one saving the one life mm-hmm. thing being kind of a, an issue we have because they don't go far enough with yep. it. It's consistent throughout all the movies. Yeah, like you got the first one, he stops uh, uh, Krieger w- when he's going to kill the you know the the guy with the knife. And he's like, no, no civilian deaths, yeah. no casualties. And then the second one, it's all about we have to save uh, Tandy Newton's character mm-hmm. at the end. Like they're 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 well, pretty consistent they do, about him saving individuals, and they do bring that back. We completely forgot, uh, which was actually as much as we like to make fun of the lack of continuity with Ethan's right, character. Right. I was going to mention this earlier, actually the 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 betrayal of the uh, White Widow and her her men, where where he's like, no, I'm just going to go ahead and like kick this off because he he doesn't want to have the cops get killed. Um, I I I did really like that yeah. because you're watching the the movie, and especially because. They almost do. It's almost like a bastardization of the planning a mission sequence. Yes, where it's like, oh, we're gonna go in. Benji's gonna wear a mask, and this thing's gonna happen. And this thing's gonna happen, and you're watching. And you're, and I'm I'm getting a lot of this from from the commentary and how Macquarie describes right. it. But um, I mean, I, a lot I of it is just like you're watching it, and you're going, oh, I feel comfortable. I feel safe because hey, they're 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 talking like it's getting narrated. Like I know they're gonna accomplish whatever the mission is mm-hmm. this way. Mm-hmm. And you're watching that, and you're like, oh, God, everyone's dying. Yeah. All these police are getting murdered. Oh, Tom Cruise, he's going to have to take the shot and murder the one cop, yeah, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, so there, that, does, that does play up. I, I guess we, for, we forgot about that's kind of the major example of, of him refusing to, uh, yeah. you know. It's there. I just it's don't not, think it's pronounced right. enough, and then it doesn't come through at the it, end. Well. Especially the end. I think the, if, it was, if they had a better example in the end, I think that would go really well. Yeah. What if the end is he has to not choose the one life and he shoots Julia in the head? <laughs> and then everyone dies. And then everyone dies. Do, 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 yeah, do, yeah. do, do, do. Directed by a guy who will never work in Hollywood <laughs> again. There are like yeah, eight but... examples that spring to mind when you said that and I decided not to go with any of them. Uh, be, be proud of me. Um, but yeah, this this does overall... Jared Leto? Sure. This does overall wrap up the... Or, you know, kind of kind of tie together the series in a way that Spectre only wishes it could. Um, 
Just in well, because well, because this doesn't do it strictly speaking, just by saying all the movies are connected. Like yes. it doesn't do the plot you, thing of you actually have to pick up on the connections. It's not just it's it's character and thematic reasons, and then the whole Julia wrap up. Mm-hmm. It's not just all the movies are connected. You don't need to right. ask how or why. They're just all connected, and you should accept right. that. And that's emotionally exactly. powerful. It, it makes the movie and feel, action. It makes the universe feel more connected. It doesn't make yeah. like the universe feel smaller, which is what Spectre exactly. does. Yeah, that's all I got. Okay. I'm having a hard time figuring out my grade for this one. I guess we didn't really talk about, in terms of, like, directing and stuff, how this really compares to the other ones, in terms of our favorites. Again, it's hard to say. Which would be the perfect time to do it, because it's great. They're all relatively similar, especially the last... Not all relatively similar. The last three are are quite similar. Uh, We talked about how three is sort of iffy, in some ways. Um, Yeah. Just because... J.J. Abrams' first debut, or or at least, is not uh, his cinematic yeah, debut. It was was not experienced with with uh, big productions. Um, I don't know. I I feel like this. I almost feel like five might be my favorite directed in in terms of the action and and in terms of the um the just the overall feel of it. I feel like this one sometimes. Maybe because it, it gets kind of goofy. I mean, especially I think yeah. one one thing to note uh, that I as kind of like a nitpick that I have with the action is the effects and especially the hook that that kills Walker. Um, because I feel like it become it's very noticeable uh, when it cuts to that like dragging on the rock how digital that is. Um, yeah. It almost feels like they could have done that in a better live way. I don't know. Um, I, I feel like some of the special effects are, are kind of weak. Um, one thing I noticed was that when Tom is riding through the motorcycle, he's riding through Paris on the yep. motorcycle. There's a lot of times where yes. it's like, oh, those cars riding past him or CG. Yes. But I'm assuming in terms of like because so much of this movie is practical, mm-hmm. I feel like this has a lower budget than something like Infinity War or you know, you know what I mean, right? Especially because these movies tend not to make like a billion plus dollars, right. so I feel like they probably have, you know, pretty high budgets relative uh-huh. to you know Hollywood movies, but still low enough to some of the CGI might be a little shoddy in places. Right. Um, but Christopher McQuarrie's whole thing is he what he tries to do is as long as the thing that the audience is focusing on is practical. Yep. That's that's the key. That's what helps sell it. You can have CGI around it, sort of helping to enhance certain things. But as long as what they're focusing on is is practical, then we're fine. So I think for the most part, the, the digital stuff works based on that sort of philosophy. Um, and one thing interesting to point out, Christopher McQuarrie, when he approached this, because... You know, we we haven't really discussed this, especially in terms of this franchise, because every movie has a different director. So this is the first time that the same director yeah. has come back to do one. He said, "I'm going to direct it in that vein, like I'm a new director coming onto this franchise. Mm-hmm. So not like I direct it in the previous yeah. movie, which is why I think it has a distinctly different feel from yeah. Rogue Nation." So there you go. Pretty interesting. I still think. 
Remind me again what I my grades. This... Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. You know. I was just going to ask what my grades were for the last few because I need a refresher. So, Mission Impossible 3, you gave an A-. Mm-hmm. Ghost Protocol, you gave a B. Mm-hmm. Rogue Nation, you gave an A. I gave all of them B pluses. That's interesting because I'm giving this one a B plus. <laughs> so, I guess okay. I have a very clearly defined order for these. Where it's it keeps things simple. Yeah. So it'd be five, three, six, four. I think that yes. all, all all having a good grade just not that's yeah. I, I'm I can get behind that. <laughs> um, it's 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 interesting because I think four is still my the best directed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that movie looks the best. I think the cinematography is amazing. Okay. Um. Like I said, it feels like you had a guy who worked in animation who just storyboarded the crap out of the script. Right. So everything just looks so tight and just clean. Um, but this one just has so many amazing set pieces. <laughs> like, yep. like, these set pieces top all of the previous movies. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of feeling B+. Yeah. <laughs> I will have given the <laughs> Mission Impossible's four, five, and six. I am giving a B plus. Fascinating. They've all got their pluses and minuses. I, I think they're, Actually, they're they've all... only got pluses in your eyes. <laughs> yeah, I think they're all equally entertaining. I walking out of the theater for this one, I would have given it an A minus, maybe an A. Same. It's just kind of thinking about it more and thinking mm-hmm. about what it's trying to go for, particularly. Because it does have higher ambitions in terms of character and themes. And I feel like it's reaching for more, but it's falling short a bit. You know? Yeah. Um, it's just a couple of tweaks and we'd be in the A range. Mm-hmm. Just a couple of quick tweets. Tweaks. Not tweets. <laughs> tweaks. Um, tweets. Maybe at least one scene where Ethan is having a discussion with Luther or Benji about anything that's not just the plot. Sure. Or Ilsa. Yeah. Still pretty I don't good. Know. Oh, yeah. No, these movies are, are what... If you're going to make quote-unquote dumb action movies, this is, this is what... Like, this is the pinnacle of that. Right. This is how you do that. And still have it not be dumb. Mm-hmm. A bunch of schlock-like Transformers. Ugh. So that's Mission Impossible for you. <laughs> it's kind of... I know we we left the franchise a little while ago, so it's weird kind of coming back and then being like, all right, bye again. Yep. But anyways, it's, now we're moving on uh, it's, to it's the a weird, Man with No Name trilogy. It's a weird time in the franchise to, like, not... Or to stop at, because it feels like the next movie will really start... If they... Uh, I mean, assuming that that happens, I don't know what the plans are. Um, oh, I'm sure it'll it, happen. That should kind of propel the franchise forward into like more of a Fast and Furious type thing, uh, which is another franchise we need to do. Um, but it, yeah, we'll get there. We need to. Uh, it, yeah. it'll, it'll, it feels like that will get us to the point, or get the franchise to the point where it's like, all right, this is a real like continuous franchise. Uh, theoretically, maybe not. I don't know, but just in terms of continuity. So I don't know. Right. We'll we'll see. Um, it's right now. It's hard to grade it when only two movies feel 
all that similar. Uh, and, and there's just a yeah. lot of distinction. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's weird just in terms of the naming conventions of these movies where it's just, can we... Can we change the title of Mission Impossible 3 to Mission Impossible something? <laughs> Just because I don't want to have to think of it as the third movie. And the, like, right. Mission Impossible 3 should be the first movie in this right. franchise, right? Like, we sh- like one's, one's pretty good, two's just trash. Let's just throw those mm-hmm. out anyways. Mm-hmm. Let's just start with three. <laughs> yep. And just move forward from there. <laughs> it's fine. Everything's, Everything's fine. fine. You can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at hctsequels. You can find us through email at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. And you can find us on iTunes and on YouTube if you just search Here Come the Sequels. So that's that. And now you Correct. know. And knowing is half the battle. Um, What's the other half? So yeah, we're doing the... the we're finally doing The Man With No Name trilogy right. next week. The much anticipated. Um, <laughs> much anticipated. Um... So yeah, it should be interesting. Thank you for. We have no idea what we're getting yeah. into. I'm kind of afraid I'm going to watch it and be like, "This is boring." <laughs> Very. That's possible. my fear. Um, at least I knew with the Godfather going in, I was True. like, "All right, I, I know what to expect from these." Pretty much. Uh, we'll find out. But yeah, I, I, I have concerns, <laughs> especially because they're westerns, and I'm not. I'm not the biggest. Oh, fan it's okay. Of westerns. It's okay if they're boring. Then it'll tie right into uh, the first Bond movies. So. Ha! Oh, shots goodness. fired! All right, do the thing. <laughs> I don't like you. Anyways, thank you for listening, everybody. <laughs> See y'all next time. Art is subjective. Nothing is real. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>